Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get this started. Folks, welcome to tonight's show. This is our Kids Asleep episode number... It's episode number seven. Can you believe that? It's crazy. We're on our way, folks, and we wouldn't have done it without you. Thank you for your quiet support. We really appreciate it. And, and we have three things that we'd like to talk to you folks about. By the way, this is Jay Alejandro with my wife. Maddie. M- Madeline, yes. But let's get down to business, okay? Have you folks ever wanted to not leave your house ever? That's pretty much our default. That is that is our go-to. That is what we want to do. But Maddie and I had a wonderful discussion recently about... This is at one of those get your shit together kind of discussions, right? So mm-hmm. what do we come to? I'll let you talk a little bit. Yeah, we we had a discussion about not just being home all the time. Mm-hmm. Since that is where we like to be... You know, we don't, we want to make more of a conscious effort to go out, to be in the public sphere, to be in, to participate in the community. And, you know, that's become easier to do here as, as the years have gone on. I mean, when I was a kid, there really wasn't that much to do. And so, you know, as the town grows, or at least as the community grows, I mean, our population isn't growing, but, but yeah. our, but the, the, I would say the amount of participation is growing. Yeah, it's, and, it seems to be more open to, to social gatherings and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And, the, you know, the, the city council is really trying to, to create these public areas where people can kind of come together and, that are family, you know, like the David Street Station and, and all that stuff. Um, today, we we just kind of looked at the list of things that were going on. Yeah, and we got to backtrack a little bit because one of the things that I feel is is important to to pinpoint change in one's life is knowing what's lacking. Like taking a real honest assessment of, of what you haven't been doing or identifying the thing that is making you not fully happy. And I think what we determined was, okay, we have to get out more. We feel like it's a little bit stagnant maybe, or or we just fall into our comfort zone way too often mm-hmm. that we want to be a good example for our kid. You know, we want to be able to to share some activities with them and get into better habits. And this was something that worked really nicely that we just asked the question, let's make a concerted effort Let's make a, a determined effort to just get out there mm-hmm. and force ourselves to be, to be out there. Yeah. And today, looking at the list of things that were going, which was extensive, there was a lot happening today. Surprisingly. Uh, you know, it, you wouldn't think, you know, it's sort of the dead of winter. Spring is sort of just around the corner, but the weather is still cold and snowy. And so you wouldn't think that there would be much happening but in reality i think because of that there's more going on maybe than usual and we settled on going to the winter market which is just a farmer's market that's indoors because it's too cold for it to be to be outside right now and so we went and just kind of to check out like the vendors that were there and um it was really fun 
it was really a, it was a really neat opportunity, and we were only there for probably you would say ten minutes, fifteen, minutes? fifteen minutes, fifteen yeah. twenty minutes. But the fun part about it was was looking at the community that we're normally involved in, which is the online community. It's it's very much local. You know what's going on. You're aware of it, but you're not partaking in it regular mm-hmm. regularly. And just being able to decide, listen, even though I may not feel like this is something that will work for me or something that I may not feel comfortable doing, I have to do it. I have to force myself to do it. So us going there was such a good experience. And we got to to try some baklava, mm-hmm. which was incredible. And, and we got some good bread. And I wanted to get the salsa, but maybe we'll do that mm-hmm. next time. Yeah. I guess what what I'm getting at, to, to open it up, we had a wonderful time, a great moment that we set aside for family, but we made the, the conscious choice to do something different. And we want to encourage you guys to just take a moment at the things that, are, that aren't working and ask why, or try to see if there's another way to, to do things, mm-hmm. because we're all in our comfort zones. And we got to break out of that sometime. We got to try something new, something yeah. exciting. Even if it's just a stroll that you wouldn't normally take, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. It's definitely a good experience. One of the reasons we chose the winter market specifically was I had read an article earlier in the week about a, a couple who they've started their own company, their own baking company. Um, it's called Sweet Zoe's, and she she's Iraqi-born. She's been in the United States for a few years. They just recently moved to Casper just a couple of years ago, and she's actually an architect by trade. She trains to be an architect. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, but she makes baklava. That's something that she's really good at doing and she specializes in. And she started selling it, and I think she's been at it for like six months and it's really starting to take off. And we got to give people context. In, in our town where we are, in the middle of Wyoming, it's very difficult to come upon unique, original ethnic food. Yeah. Plain and simple, it's a very difficult thing to, to acquire here in town because mm-hmm. we're fairly isolated, you know, in terms of, of culture and and food. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really hard to keep a, an ethnic restaurant so going for, here. So, you know, for people who... Who live here? I mean, I've I'd never tried baklava. I've never had an opportunity to eat actual baklava made by like an actual Middle Eastern person, and I think it's a really cool thing that she's doing, bringing that authentic food from her culture, yeah. to, you know, to us and and letting us experience that. And yeah, it's really great. More than anything, we felt that it was the right thing to do to support that mm-hmm. business because we have to start working our way. And the cats are just making their way down it's the stairs crazy, yeah. like garbage down the steps. <laughs> I did made a I made a point to tell her we saw your story in the newspaper and yeah. we wanted to come support you. And so we bought some of her baklava and it's incredible. Absolutely. And she also makes hummus. And so we got a little sample of her hummus and we took her card and we're going to leave her a nice... We're going to be devout... Uh, we're going to leave her a nice review patrons. on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, we're going to leave her a good a good review. Because <laughs> we need more of that in our community. Yeah. But it's it's been a wonderful day. And we felt that it was something worth sharing because those are what I call the small victories. Yeah. When you're you're in the humdrum of, of your, your week, 
you have to find those those rewards and yeah. those moments of of happiness, no matter how monumental they are, how um, pedestrian they may seem. These are really good things that are going on, and I kind of like that. So one of the things that it lead, led me to believe, though, is how much we're missing out on on great food. Mm. It reminds me of Seattle, which is a, a city that we do have a connection with. But I, I feel like, can you count the ethnic restaurants that we have here in mm. this in this town? We have one Indian place. One Indian place. One Vietnamese place. Mm-hmm. We have a few Chinese places. A couple. I'd say two Chinese places. No, there's more than that. Three. No, there's... There's more than that. There's like four or five. That's there's, the there's, one, yeah, the one thing where we're actually doing well. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, what else do we have? A couple of Mexican restaurants, yeah, but Mexican you know, restaurants. you will find us anywhere and everywhere, yeah. folks. That's that goes without saying. We have a Thai place, and I'm not sure how authentic it is, but we do have one. Excuse me, guys, one moment. Our cat is playing with a rock. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Those are the ones that matter. Yeah, this is what we're getting at. Those are the ones that matter, and it gives people a sense of. Of context of what yeah. we're looking at and why we're so excited. Because if you were to say, oh, we finally got somebody who can do baklava. And then somebody from fucking Denver will yeah. be saying, oh, really? Yeah. We have 20 people in one block who do baklava. Yeah. This is the baklava block. <laughs> okay, I can't mix the two. Can you do it for me? Blocklava. Blocklava. That's what I wanted to say. Perfect. Such a dad. Yeah, I mean, yeah, out of context, that does sound weird, like... We're so excited to have someone who makes baklava authentically <laughs> in this town, but it is. It's exciting. Yeah. For us. It's a great time. And she's very sweet, and she and her husband, they, they work together. He helps her with with the business side of things, and she does the, the baking and the, you know, the creation of the products. Yeah. Um, so and I, you just, you, know. you have to admire something like that, because as, as somebody who, you know, we have experience being small business owners mm-hmm. that is never an easy thing to undertake yeah. so well and I mean, she i mean she had a legit profession before that i mean it wasn't like you know she was an architect i mean that is a right. that's a very well regarded profession but she found something else that she's passionate about and that she, she's good at that and makes sense and that is welcomed by her community she can serve yeah she yeah. yeah yeah it's awesome so at this point in time, I'm very, very happy with what we have in our community. Mm-hmm. It may not be a big city. It may not be L.A. or Denver or Seattle, but it's it's a small community that is looking to do something better. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud to be here. Yeah. And I didn't think that I would say that three years ago when I first got here. Yeah. Which is which is crazy. I mean, I've I've lived here on and off for for some time, but. We just, we have to find a way to love where we are and love what we're doing. If not, we're going to be miserable. And support the people who are trying to, to diversify our community and, and bring good to that community. Yeah. So we're going to dip down into some dark shit maybe for a little bit before we get back up to the really exciting stuff near the end of the program. But we are going to tink to sweet Sweet Zoe and Baklava. Baklava. Here we go. That is a solid tink. So you wanted to talk about the Bibles. <laughs> and you are going yeah. to have to fill me in because I'm totally okay. in the dark about this. I was too busy not thinking about yeah. Orange Julius that now yeah. you have to break the news to me. Okay. So, so fill me so in. So here's, here's the context. So earlier this week, 
the South, uh, Alabama specifically was hit by of an extremely violent tornado. I mean, it devastated some communities down there. It was, it was bad. It was really bad. So a lot of people have lost their homes. 20, more than 20 people lost their lives. It was really bad. So of course, when, when a natural disaster strikes, the president often comes um, down to sort of survey the damage and, you know, give words of encouragement and hope to the people who've, who've been harmed by this event. It's a very common thing for presidents to do. So President Trump and Melania Trump came down to Alabama to do that, to pay their respects to the people who've passed away and to sort of offer comfort to the people who, who suffered from the tornado. I came across a headline that said, <laughs> That Donald Trump was signing people's Bibles. Mm. Like he went to like an evangelical church, which are very common down there. And people were giving him Bibles and he autographed them. I just, I don't understand. There's so, there's so much going on there. And I was trying to do a little bit of research as you were telling me this and there seems to be a consensus where it wasn't just him touting his autographs, but rather the people in the, in his, his audience were the ones who were looking for the autograph. Mm-hmm. And it's such a bizarre thing. Yeah. That's, that's an important distinction to make. He wasn't saying, give me your Bibles and I'll sign them. <laughs> people were handing him Bibles and he was signing them. But there, it's just so, so strange. It's I find strange. that so bizarre. It's that, very strange to me. Yeah, and and this article that I was looking up here, the headline is Trump signed Bibles, is it heresy? Many religious leaders are saying no. And the angle that they're taking is that he was trying to cheer them up in any way that he could. Yeah. In a way that it it won't scale in a way that maybe if you read it the wrong way, you know, you'll be like what the fuck is he doing signing Bibles? Right. Yeah. No, and I think that that's I think that's probably true. I mean, he was, it's kind of a difficult situation to be in. I mean, the, you know, those people have just been through an ordeal. Lost everything. Their community I'm sure. has been through an ordeal. And, you know, it's, it can be exciting. You know, the president of the United States has come to your town to offer condolences mm-hmm. and to, mm-hmm. you know, help you through this tough time. It just, it seems a little tactless to me. <laughs> like, could you give me something else to sign? Yeah, like, I, I kind I'll of take feel, a picture with you. Yeah, I kind of feel like anyone else may have said something like, I don't really feel comfortable signing a Bible. You know, like it doesn't, if you were know. actual, if you were, if you're actually. See, but like that a, could have been taken the wrong way too, because you have to consider the people who are, who are offering the Bible. And I had that thought it's too. It's so like, strange. And just, just if you, just reading the headline. Donald Trump signs, but like autographs Bibles in Alabama that embodies <laughs> in one sentence, a lot of Trump supporters. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cause a because a lot of Trump supporters really believe that he was sent from God, that, he that is, God put him in the presidency, right, that he is the, the so, Christian gentleman who will be right. cleaning this, this. So ipso facto darkness. sign my Bible. <laughs> It's like, here, this will be good for later. Yeah. yeah. Like. It's like a blessing. Right. Um, yeah. And Sign this book from the man upstairs that puts you in the presidency. Yeah. And it comes back to what we've been talking about in some of our 
conversations in the car or whenever we have a chance to, whenever this comes up, a lot of individuals are looking for a Messiah figure mm. and are desperate to imprint a lot of these, these ideas onto, onto one individual who may not fit that, that, that archetype. So like Donald Trump is a, is a great showman. He's bigger than life. You got to give him credit for that. That's mm -hmm. what he does. Yeah. Those are only a couple of character traits of a savior figure. And a lot of individuals who, who believe this stuff or who are interested in, in making him the savior figure are forgetting that he, he's not cookie cutter as, as they think he is. Mm -hmm. He's not a holy man. Mm -hmm. But you you're not going to convince them that he's not. Right, right. He's, he's riding along. He's playing the part. I mean, he. But I just want to know how they can forego the reality of the man mm -hmm. to place all of this savior shit on him. Cause what choice do they have? I, there was no other choice. And I think that that's just something that. Like, why are they so blindly following that? They, they did that with George Bush too, though. But, and George, I mean, George Bush wasn't fucking around. He wasn't having affairs with a porn star. No, I know. He didn't. He, but George Bush was also doing things that were egregious, that were criminal. Okay. And, and I feel that at the time, I don't remember very much of it because I was younger. Yeah, we were younger. When, when his. But people really did think, and he believed it himself. I don't think Trump gives a shit. I don't think Trump, he doesn't believe any of that garbage. But George Bush really did. He's a religious that. man. Yeah. He, he he was religious. He he really believed that God meant for him to be president and whatever blah 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 told him how to be president. And so it really stands to reason that people thought that about him as well. And I I just I think maybe that people who, with religious convictions, particularly evangelicals, are more prone to think that when their party is in power, it's God's will. Like it is a divine It's a divine, message. it's divine intervention that Donald Trump is the president and not Hillary Clinton. That's true because you, they're obviously looking at the spectrum of who, who their choices were. And yeah. of course, if you have Hillary Clinton there on the left hand side, then they will say, this this man is our savior, right? By by virtue Saving of not us being from her, right? Yes, right. So you know, I I do think there's an element of that, and and it, it stands to reason <laughs> that they would want him to sign their Bibles, yeah. Because who else but him should yeah, sign your yeah. Bible? He's there because God put him there, and it's it's almost like like completing that circle of of rationalizing. Their worldview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I again, still don't know how. I think I, the whole heresy thing, I don't think that matters. I really don't think that that's an issue. He was doing in the moment what they asked him to do. Yeah. I don't think he was like. Like, give me them Bibles real quick. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah I'll, you know, I, I don't think it was an intentionally tactless thing to do. I just think it comes off that way. To those of us who are on the the fringes yeah. of the left, you know, I guess. just yeah. teetering because we that we don't understand that worldview. No, I don't know why. What business he would have 
with a Bible anyway. He clearly has no but stake in it. I keep thinking in my mind about those signs that we see on Facebook, those posters of Trump at church looking and the light is shining down on him mm-hmm. ever so gently. And there's a couple of kids by his side. And then the caption says something like, here is a good Christian man to bring goodness and and holiness to the the oval office mm-hmm. something to that effect where it's a very it's a, it's almost like a like a yeah religious fan fiction it's it's a very bizarre <laughs> I was just I thinking I, fan fiction yeah yeah and and i don't understand i, I have a, think, i have a hard time i with also that. think it's funny that why is it just pure racism that people didn't believe that president obama was a christian is that all it is? Is it just racism? How could a black man be a Christian? I don't, yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense that a man who actively went to church, they went to church. Yeah. They're Christian regularly. people. Yeah. And I just, it's so, I don't understand how Donald Trump is the Christian. And president, and president, exactly. and President Obama is the Muslim that wasn't born here and that is faking being a Christian. Because these these lies were repeated often enough that they just built on top of each other, and they solidified this this idea of of the the Antichrist Obama, hmm. the one that was the opposite of what they you they know, were looking for in a savior. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, of course, like, President Obama wasn't perfect. Of course, no president is perfect. But this is what I'm talking about is is how can you so blindly negate the truth when it's in front of you? Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, if you, if you hear a lie repeated enough times, it becomes a reality to you. It's a very complicated subject, and I could just keep banging my head against the wall. Yeah. And... I think part of it has to do with... Not being a religious person, it doesn't really matter to me if the president is a Christian or not. But I have to understand that that is not the case for a lot of people. For a majority for, of the people no, in this country. No, they're not the majority anymore. They're not the majority. 40% anymore. of people in this world. In this, in this country. Excuse me. I just, I have to remember that that is, that's the reason people vote sometimes. Most of the time. Absolutely. So... When I vote for a person, I don't really care what church they go to. I don't care who they believe in, if they believe in anything. But the people who do go to the polls and vote, essentially they're voting for Jesus. Like, which one of you all believes in Jesus? Okay, I'll vote for you. (laughs) It's, It's baffling to me that Donald Trump is the one they landed on. The one that Jesus handpicked. Yeah. Did people just completely erase the last like 30 or 40 years that Donald Trump has been in the spotlight from their memories because everybody knew who Donald Trump was in the 90s maybe even in the 80s if you lived in New York mm-hmm. and you know he was a public figure he was on a reality television show everybody knew who he was what he did what he his, his yeah. what what but but again, principles he espoused again consider this that public figures are malleable Pub- public figures can be shaped into whatever you want them to be in a way because they're not your friends they're not people that that you see as tangible they're they're abstract thought 
in somebody's mind. So an individual who doesn't want to remember those aspects of an individual will forego that information because it doesn't suit their, their, their agenda, their personal belief system. We are, we are built to reject that which disagrees with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like at our core, if something doesn't feel right, you're not gonna, you're not gonna welcome it into your life. You're, you're gonna deny it. You're gonna push it away. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of these people are doing. They see an individual who, okay, maybe he doesn't go to church as often as I do, but he's trying to fight for our rights. Mm-hmm. He's, he believes in the things that I believe. And, you know, most of it would probably have been the bullshit that he spouted on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. But people buy into it because he's really good at selling things. He's good at selling ideas. Yeah. He's a blabbermouth. who's really good at getting his point across and infecting people with misguided emotion. But now he has solidified himself as this, this messiah figure. Mm-hmm. In in some factions, and, and this I don't know how many of these people feel that way, but the fact that there were enough that were throwing Bibles at him for him to sign, yeah, it's something to think about. Mm-hmm. How many people actually feel this way about the president of the United States yeah, that he is some kind of religious uh, religious event? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I think about it a lot too much, okay. probably. Well, let's not think about it too much, but I'll, I'm going to have you think about one more thing before we move on to mm-hmm. the great Hollywood action extravaganza. If you were to have Trump sign your Bible, mm-hmm. what would the inscription say? I'm pretty sure he can only sign his name, so. He can't, like, dedicate it, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know what mine would say? Mine would say, believe me. <laughs> Bam. Believe me. Because Christ. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'm done with that. <laughs> let's, let's talk about action movies. Yes, let's. So one of the confessions that we have to make for the folks that may or may not know us, Maddie and I started our relationship strongly and with certainty over a couple of things. One of them was our love for Tenacious D, our love for the Foo Fighters, and our love our undying passion for 90s action movies, wouldn't you say? Or do you want to broaden it a little bit? Uh, Yeah, ni- I guess a lot of them are 90s A lot movies. of them are 90s. Yeah. But 90s we, we, and maybe later. Maybe 2000s, yeah. Mm-hmm. But action movies have been a cornerstone of our relationship, and some of the things that we really, really care about uh, have come from <laughs> conversations that we had right after a Nicolas Cage movie. Maybe, well... Listen, I got to clear this up. I should say Tom Cruise movies mm. instead of Nicolas Cage because we have some disagreements about our Lord and Savior, Nicolas Cage. Speaking of Messiah figures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do not agree on Nicolas Cage movies generally. That'll be... I, we'll I'm going to have to get an ally here so that I can we'll talk, talk about, about Nicolas Cage Nick maybe Cage. At, a little, at a later date, but... Yeah, Tom Cruise movies have definitely, specifically Mission Impossible movies. That's true. Uh, we don't watch a lot of Tom Cruise movies outside of Mission Impossible, I don't think. Not regularly. No. We always go back to Mission Impossible because it's so... Yeah. I mean, it, it was a, it was a, an event when it came out. Yeah. I recall watching the first one, but you, you and I are partial to the second 
yeah. Mission Impossible, which is uh, um, John Woo. That was the that was the first one I saw. I didn't actually see the first one until much <laughs> later. Um, it's all right. It was, so I saw. Yeah, the first one's okay. It was low key. I saw the second one in middle school, eighth or ninth grade, maybe for the first time. So that was the revelation. Let's talk about revelations. What happened when you saw Mission Impossible Two? Starring Tom Cruise. It blew my mind, man. It was... Well, the second one is about, like, a biohazard. Like, a bio... A biological weapon. Which was so up my alley at that point. I was super into, like, the Ebola outbreaks and learning... I was learning about that. I had read The Hot Zone by Richard Preston. So, when I figured out that the movie was about a biological weapon, like a like a, um, a hemorrhagic... Uh, disease like Ebola. You lost I was, your shit. I was into it. I was so into it. And um, obviously, I was a 14 year old girl, so Tom Cruise is super hot. With his long hair. Oh, man. <laughs> and the, the villain. Doug, Second rate Antonio Banderas. Doug Ray Scott. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also hot. So it had a lot going for it. And. Um, I loved the <laughs> the silicone masks that they always peeled off. Oh, what these, a wonderful time. In these crazy reveals. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that See, so much. That's that's sort of the cool thing that is missing in, in some of those movies is that if you think about John Woo, how operatic everything was. Yeah. Everything, like, like, was heightened. Yeah. And, yeah, it was a little hokey to some people. But everything was lifted. Mm-hmm. Everything was elevated. The action was was immense, but fun. Was that movie? Did that movie come out before or after the Matrix? That was that. That was in two thousand. I'm so that sure. was after. Yeah, because the Matrix, Matrix was, was ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. So let's take a look. Because I remember, I remember thinking that's funny you say that. But it's like operatic because I've. It does it does have a matrixy vibe sometimes. There's like bullet like slow motion like shooting shots and like yeah. there's a little but bit there, of that. There's some of that that is that is just John Woo mm-hmm. canon uh, oh, okay. sort of stylistic stuff that okay. he did like in particular like the the doves and all yeah. that. That's mm-hmm. very much mm, like a his, John Woo his thing. Yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, Mission Impossible 2 was 2000. Okay. 2000. Personally for me, I just remember being infatuated with with how sleek it looked. I had never seen anything like that. And I was, when, when that came out, I was 14. I was 14 years old. So I was just in the middle of my just heyday of consuming as much movie content as I possibly could, in particular with the behind the scenes. They were mm-hmm. talking about it at the MTV Movie Awards, which was a big deal when I was a kid. I would just watch that religiously. And one of my favorite memories is, is actually Ben Stiller doing that parody with Tom Cruise where he was his stunt double. And then he just couldn't, he just kept fucking everything up. So John Woo told him to go away. And I don't remember that. Yeah. Tom, you should look it up. But Tom Cruise was, was always like vouching for him. It's Mm -hmm. like, I've been with this guy since, since taps and, uh, he's just, he's harmless. He doesn't hurt anyone, (laughs) (laughs) but I, it just was at the very beginning of, of my impressionable age. Mm-hmm. And it formed a lot of my opinions about what I think is cool and exciting. And I do remember I had this tendency to look at movie posters before I saw the movies. Or if I went to the video store, I would take a look at the 
the credits in, in the back of the, the VHS tapes. And I would memorize the names of the people who were involved in that movie. And I remember seeing, okay, Hans Zimmer's doing the score. And then I remember going and getting the soundtrack and mm-hmm. that, I, that lived in my, you know, my Walkman for probably two years. Yeah. I love that. Brian May and the Foo Fighters covering, uh, Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Remember that was a highlight. The butthole surfers mm-hmm. were on that soundtrack. Uh, fucking Limp Biscuit. I mean, yeah. who didn't love Limp Biscuit back then? Yeah. And you guys can't back out on this. <laughs> you guys, if you were around 15 or 14, in the year 2000, you were in love with Limp Biscuit. Don't you come at me with <laughs> denial. Don't you deny me like Judas. <laughs> you people are on my side. You know what that was like. Mm-hmm. But the soundtrack aside, the, the film was just uh, such a, a great memory of growing up and feeling like like there was magic in, in movies. Yeah. It sounds hokey as hell, but that's just how I feel about those movies of that yeah. time period. Mission Impossible being one of the highlights. Yeah. So fucking good. So good. <laughs> Chimera. That Chimera. was what the, that was what the disease yeah. was called. Dimitri. Dimitri. Why do you keep calling me Dimitri? And then, <laughs> yeah. Reveal. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. We're gonna have to watch that again. But one of the cool things about the series though is that I feel that that it took a lot of different routes and they're, they have been consistently pleasing mm-hmm. movies. Even the third one, which was more of a... It wasn't as action-packed, it seemed. It was more of a heavy drama, mm-hmm. it felt like. It was pretty rewarding. But the latest one, I was really impressed with. Yeah. That might be my second favorite. It's really good. I think I like the one, the one in Dubai. Ghost Protocol? Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be my second favorite. That sequence was one of the best mm-hmm. in the whole series, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. But as, as a whole, I like Fallout mm-hmm. the best. Yeah. That's my personal favorite Henry, right now. Henry Cavill was a good villain. You yeah. didn't think so? Yeah, I was going to say, but like, how much do we want to give away? Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty obvious, I think, from the beginning that he's not... That he's a piece of shit. That he's a double agent. Yeah. But I wasn't surprised. Yeah. Your mustache. I think the reason we connected on those movies is because I'm so I'm so game for those movies. Yeah. And I'm not really game for like heavy so for those of you who don't know me, I'm not into horror movies. I can't do it. I have too much anxiety. I have trouble with heavy dramas sometimes. I remember um, when we watched Kinsey. Do you remember that? I do. That was rough. That was rough. Munich. Munich was the best. It's so... I. Uh, this is the thing about you, is that you can watch these movies, these heavy, just <laughs> gut-wrenching dramas at any you? point <laughs> in the day or night, no matter what mood you're in. Have I told you my ideal triple feature? Oh, that would have been that would have been Munich. Jesus. That would have been Apocalypse Now, Ugh. and possibly The Shining. God, or the Sh- the Shining, or um, There Will Be Blood. If All I could just those, sit there and watch those, how do you be, not feel emotionally drained? I'm probably dead inside. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's rattling in there. Maybe it's feelings. Maybe um, it's just an appreciation for the. 
the apex of cinema coming together. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know what I mean, you definitely that's definitely the, the case. <laughs> and I have a pre- I have an appreciation for those movies. Well, I haven't seen Apocalypse now. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> so the point being, I can't sit down and watch those movies generally mm-hmm. and be okay afterwards. Yeah. I it they affect me so deeply that I just it's too much and I can't do it. Mm. So I'm not usually game to go see those heavy dramas or something super violent. Like I can't really do Scorsese, He's which brutal. you love, and yes. I'm I just can't do it. I think I've only seen Gangs of New York. I think that's the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> that might be enough. <laughs> and it's brutal, but I like that movie. But yeah. um, action movies like Mission Impossible, like James Bond, like Born, the Born movies. I am so game for, and I think it's because they're not generally so heavy hitting that I can't handle it emotionally. They're fun to watch. Action, I just, I love, I get such a, like an adrenaline kick out of action sequences. Yeah, something that, that and, works just incredibly and well. I'm, yeah, and I'm not generally an, adre- an adrenaline junkie because I don't like the way it makes me feel, but... And I feel safe enough watching those movies that I can enjoy it. It doesn't trigger an anxiety. Right. It's not anxiety-inducing, at least not in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect place to be because if you're the viewer, it has to be a pleasing experience for you. You have to find the adventure and the excitement in it and not get caught up in in your own mind about and i think you know there's people who who like horror movies because it's scary and it's fun and they like to be scared but that just triggers painful anxiety for me but action movies trigger that same response in me yeah the oh god this is like tense but it's fun you Mm -hmm. know so i think that's why i think that's why i gravitate to that genre yeah and it's it's just a lot of fun I think it's it's incredibly incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. But you're right that we choose to be we choose our avatars in movies. We choose who we want to be and we're drawn to the right speed of of entertainment for us. And for me I would go a little bit harder on some of that stuff like watching thrillers. I think I really like those crime movies. Stuff that that's just a little bit out of the norm just because I think on most days I, th- I seem to be a pretty clear cut person, but just being able to witness like what you would call the, the seedy underbelly of some, of some situation is incredibly interesting to me. You kind of pick what you're comfortable with. I know that there's, you know, some of my, my film loving friends, you know, who would go all the way out and watch the really intense horror movies because that's just their threshold. That's where they live. Like, uh, have you heard of, um, I think it's called, uh, 120 Days of Sodom, which is a horror movie that is renowned for being just incredibly insane mm. and one of the most batshit crazy movies ever made. And I just can't go there. I mean, maybe if I had somebody to hold my hand through the whole thing, maybe I'd probably get through it. Or I remember Trevor talking about a Serbian film mm. and how that was just so harrowing and, and intense that, uh, there, there's just some movies that I just, I, I won't go to because mm-hmm. it feels like that's when you've just lost yourself and you're diving into insanity and I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. I would just feel like it's too much. Whereas like if I'm watching something like Apocalypse Now, which is incredibly intense, but there is sort of a cinematic grace to it mm-hmm. and 
it still feels like there's a purpose. It feel, feels like there's a an intent to share a point of view, you know, and not just, not just that shit crazy for it. Yeah, shock yeah, to value, just yeah. shock you into a numbness. Mm-hmm. Then I'm game, you know, I'm, I'm ready for that. And I, I can understand and respect that, especially movies like that, like mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now or like that really heavy hitting movies, you know, and I have watched some of them <laughs> once or twice, but... <laughs> Um, but I can't come back to them generally. Yeah. Like that once is usually enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I kind of, kind of understand what you mean. Like a movie that's just so far past your edge. Yeah. That you just, it's, you don't feel safe. Yeah. Whereas a movie like, like you said, Apocalypse Now, which is pretty intense, but it doesn't feel, you don't feel unsafe because it's still you. You could still remember that it's a movie and that it's yeah, that it's you know yeah that it's you're fiction. still in control of the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, you know that out there there are some things that you just you're just not willing to go to, mm-hmm. and that's a fine line to find because obviously when you go see a movie at the movie theater you don't know what's coming at you mm-hmm. sometimes, and some people who might have anxiety who might have stress you know or or panic attacks things like that even even an action movie yeah that might be too loud might might get them to that point yeah. people with traumatic yeah. uh, backgrounds might find something like a incredibly... war movie or yeah. something yeah, yeah too much and it's it's a difficult thing to kind of narrow down but our every, sweet, everyone's yeah. line is different yeah but our yeah. sweet spot and the thing that we we might get the most enjoyment from at the movies is is those action movies mm-hmm. And it's just so perfectly suited to us that I'm, I'm just excited to keep exploring that. So we're going to try to bring some, some commentary on our favorite action films. And, and we figured that we would start with that. Maybe next time we'll talk a little bit more about the other Mission Impossible movies, but Mission Impossible 2, for now, we, it, it's just a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to take to that. What do you think? Yeah. Let's do that. Bam, there you go. We had been drinking earlier, so we're not doing wine tonight. We actually went out to have some whiskey. Yeah. And it was quite pleasing. It was, yeah. Wyoming made whiskey. Yeah. Backwards Distilling At Company. At Backwards Distilling... I can't even talk. Backwards Distilling Company. <laughs> I think I might be soused. It's all right, though. So I think two out of three ain't bad, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of positive things. We didn't think to president should show but again who he doesn't deserve tanks yeah and so that about does it for us tonight folks but i want to take a moment to thank you all so much for taking a moment to listen to this little experiment and oh i was gonna i wanted to put out sort of a call to action if you have a mind to do so we would appreciate it if you would rate like rate and review the podcast on iTunes. I don't know if, can you do that on Spotify? Or is that just, so. is that just an you, iTunes I think you thing? can, you can do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, specifically iTunes, the way iTunes works, their algorithm, if you don't have any <laughs> reviews, you people, don't exist. People don't see your podcast. Is that essentially. What yeah. So okay. it would be great if you could give us a five star review, maybe put some nice words down. And we would be forever grateful. We would be forever grateful if, if that would be something you guys could take a couple minutes to do. Yeah. So thank you, dear friends. And thank you to 
the kind strangers out in the void who might take a moment to listen to this uh, broadcast or podcast. And without further ado, I guess we'll call it. What do you think? Yeah. Okay. Have a good night, guys. Have a great night. Did I say good night? Like I was going to say great and good at the same time. Have a swell night, folks. 